This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week, I jump on with Jaden Bales. Um, So I consider Jaden a friend. I love the conversations that I have with this guy. And he's such an absolute go-getter as far as mule deer and elk mindset. So I really enjoyed the conversation. Make sure you follow along on his social media. He's Jaden Bales on Instagram. He also runs the Wyoming Wildlife Federation page. Uh, so you can follow that at Wyoming Wildlife. And, um, man, we get into it. It's a great conversation about this past season, some guiding experiences. Uh, he had a premium elk tag uh, and also some mule deer hunting, of course. But um, really uh, just about the the gist of this public land hunting that we do and mindset and the grind and tough times, what we're going to do coming into next season. So it just made for a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys will too. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank um, Silencer Central. So Silencer Central builds silencers and Silencer Central, they have this backcountry model. So uh, it's called the Banish Backcountry. It weighs 7.8 ounces. And what a silencer will do for you is Obviously, it silenced down the the noise of the rifle, so you're not going to lose your hearing, so you can continue to hear bugles down the road. Uh, the other thing it does is it uh, knocks down the recoil, and anytime you knock down the recoil of a rifle, it's going to be more accurate. Um, also, you know, because it's quiet, like you may get a chance for a follow-up shot where with a normal rifle or a muzzle break, you wouldn't. Uh, so I think it improves accuracy, gives you a better opportunity, and obviously like quiet and protects your hearing, which is so important as we get older. I notice construction, all the power tools I've used, that some of my buddies definitely hear bugles better than I do. And I definitely hear bugles better than my dad does. So uh, we definitely want to protect that hearing. And there's not always a chance to put on your hearing protection when you're out rifle hunting. So this is a, a good way to do that. So these guys will help you out with the paperwork, they'll help you thread your rifle, they'll help you every step of the way uh, to help get a silencer put on your rifle. So check them out over at Silencer Central, and thanks to those guys for their support of the podcast. I also want to thank Cryptech. Uh, I have the the best technical mountaineering system put together right now that I've ever had. I mean, all the way from early season, uh, they have their Sonoran hoodie, also this bamboo hoodie that I really like this year that breathed really well. So you can check those out, lightweight pants. Uh, I've got a bunch of different models. I really like that Valhalla pant. It's a good one. Uh, they also have a, a set with um, zips down the side. Uh, so all different systems for all different times of the year uh, all the way into late season I love their puffy gears their uh, jacket comes down and covers like lower than than most puffy jackets do they've also good got a good puffy pant that will zip down the sides that you can pull on and off I really think their camo patterns give me an advantage while bow hunting that obscura transitional just disappears everywhere and it blends into all these different environments. So I'm really impressed by that. But I think they 
they definitely play a major role in my success uh, throughout the season, um, keeping me safe and out there, comfortable longer, and also concealing me. So check out all their offerings, everything they have. They're a great company, uh, support veterans. So check them out over at Cryptech. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis is an internet retail shop that has absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. They carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand. And you can save a bunch of money with these guys. So uh, through the podcast, we have a promo called Elevated 10, and that'll save you 10% off your order, which is huge. Uh, so check those guys out. Knowledgeable staff that also hunts that can answer all your questions. And just a, a great place to get that new upgraded piece of gear you've been looking at. I also want to thank Camo Fire. A uh, bunch of great deals on um, hunting gear comes up, like 80 new deals every 24 hours. You can save a pile of money there. Um, huge discount. So check those guys out. You can download the app and um, see what they offer over there at Camo Fire. And with that, um, man, we're just finishing up the year here. Um, it's always nice to set goals for the new year, get through the holidays, been spending time with family. So just a good time to reflect and then start the planning process for next season and um, acquiring tags. So super excited. It's like, you know, this this Western hunting lifestyle, you know, you live at 365 and right now we're in the application season. I've also been doing a little cat hunting, which has been really fun. I've never experienced it before. So embarking on that and going with a great guy, uh, Aaron from um, from Hoodoo uh, Mountains is what's it, what his Instagram is. But just super knowledgeable about tracks and tracking and dogs and lions. And um, yeah, it's been really cool to learn about. So we'll get him on the podcast as well. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing that, and um, we treat a female the other day, which was really cool to be a part of. So yeah, taking place in that is kind of what I'm up to. Uh, training's going good. Shooting's going good. I've been really consistent, and um, man, I'm just fired up to go chase these goals for 2024. So I know you guys are the same because you're listening into the podcast. So I've got some great recordings coming up and some great ones planned. I'm going to put a ton of effort into having these next level in-depth conversations, making you a better Western hunter. Uh, thanks to Eastman's for their support of the podcast. Check out everything we've got going on over there. Our Tag Hub 2.0, help you figure out the tags. Uh, we've got the mule deer course. If you're interested in mule deer hunting, it'll definitely cut your learning curve by multiple years just going through this video format course. We have a promo code BRIANMDC. We'll get you a deal on that. And um, yeah, the magazines and then um, Eastman's um, Beyond the Grid. Our last episode dropped this Saturday. It was my goat hunt up in BC. I'm really proud how this turned out. Like the videography in it, I self-filmed the whole thing. Well, I had my buddy Adam help me out and help me film all of it. So me and Adam together um, teamed up and then put this video together and, uh, really proud at all the shots and how the editing came together and, um, just some of the country that above tree line is just beautiful stuff and brings back a ton of memories. And so, um, super fired up. You can find that on Eastman's hunting TV, uh, their YouTube channel. And, uh, there's a handful of episodes of me on there and, um, a bunch of good ones with Dan Picard, a bunch of great bow hunting ones, and then rifle ones as well with Ike and Guy and, Brandon and all of us from the staff, so check those out. 
And uh, check out that other podcast I'm doing with Dan Picard. We're 20 episodes in. It releases every other week. Great in-depth conversations where we catch up and um, talk in-depth bow hunting. So you can check that out at um, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Life of a Bow Hunter. And um, man, I think that's it for now. Let's get into this podcast. It's a great one with Jaden Bales. Uh, super knowledgeable, go-getter. Uh, again, I just really enjoyed this, and thanks to him for coming on. Thanks to you guys for listening in. Let's get into this podcast. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Yeah, well, I like the honesty, too. It did have a couple negative experiences. But yeah, well, I just figured we'd just get into it, and we can catch up, and then we'll just start this recording wherever. But um, yeah, man, well, good for you. So uh, what were you guiding for? Um, I did both deer and elk throughout the year. Um, I started off with an elk hunt. Well, we killed three elk in a weekend. That was pretty interesting. Wow. And then, um, and then I did some uh, guiding and scouting for a gov tag holder for deer. Um, and then I finished up the season with uh, another elk hunt. Um, I, there's this really late uh, elk hunt in Wyoming that I really enjoy doing. It's hard. The conditions suck. Um, it's usually, you know, near negative or at least well below freezing and a lot of snow. Um, but it's my favorite, man. It's just like uh, spot and stock, big mountain, big burns. Um, and so that was, that was the one we just ended with on, uh, I think the last day of that one was like the 30th of November. So, um, yeah, that, those were the hunts that we ended up guiding this year. It was really, it was fun. Oh, good for you. The, Man, I like cut my teeth on those late season elk hunts like that in the big mountains, uh, deep snow, bitter cold. And I imagine it was a general rifle tag or not a general rifle, but a rifle tag. And uh, it seems like those bulls, man, they just, um, you know, they're kind of beat up after the rut and just find those hidey holes and tighten up their programs. It's like, man, you got to have grit. You got to have toughness, not only for the cold, but then you got to put miles on. And that that snow, it's a lot tougher to do miles in that snow than it is on dry dirt, man. Those um, I think those hunts are character building for sure. That's exactly right, man. It's one of those things where now on this hunt, we use our optics to find the elk but usually they're still two miles away as the crow flies and you got to figure out how to get to them right and so that that's been um pretty fun to watch people kind of figure out okay like we got them found like now the work starts right like um it's a really high it's really hard to draw it's a high point hunt for non-residents and um i actually went with some commissioners tag guys out there um, on this hunt and they think that it's going to be easy because it's like this this really sought after experience. And then they roll in and they like are humbled immediately. <laughs> and uh, you see an elk. I mean, shoot, we saw 22 bulls on the first day of the hunt. But getting to them is a different story um, for a lot of these guys. And, and, and in particular, uh, my hunter, his dad was with us. Um, he had won this this commissioner's tag and then booked an outfitter afterwards. And his dad, we start hiking the first day up this little – it's kind of like a trainer hike, a beginner hike to get things warmed up. And about halfway up the you know 250-foot climb, he goes, man, I've never hiked in snow before. This is hard. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, we, we've got a long week ahead of us, boys. Like, we're just starting uh, with my first hike in the snow. So. Um, but it was good. It was really fun. Yeah, man, that's wild. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I bet they're uh, up for an awakening. It's not just having a a good tag and then all of a sudden this trophy bowl is standing out there. And it, it sounds like the same experience I'm used to where when you see a good bowl or you see elk, it's like you never glass them up at 200 yards or 400 yards or like a little hike. It's always like a death hike to get to them. It's always like you're always looking out there at where they are, and it's almost mind-bending how far they are or where you have to get to to go try to kill them, you know? And so, yeah, I can just imagine like uh, me and you have been through it before, and we're used to like seeing them so far off and like uh, know that we're in for a whole day of trying to get to them. But I can just imagine – somebody else's eyes that's never hiked in snow to see that ball and go, we're going where? You know, it's like like a, a pretty yeah. rude awakening. But it's like even when you draw a good tag, they just don't come easy. Like you still have to go put in the work and, um, uh, and, and have the right skill sets to be successful, which you bring a lot to the table like when you're guiding as far as like knowledge and uh, knowing how to do it and how to find those out. But, man, it isn't easy even with a good tag. Dude, it's the number one thing that I think I have picked up from either being on hunts or watching other people go on these like fancy tag hunts. Um, I actually grew up in one of the big three units in uh, Oregon, in Mount Emily, wow. and um, it was always the case. Everyone rolls in expecting there's just giants around every tree, and I remember growing up, it was just like, dude, this is you're going to get your butt whooped, um, and it seems to still be the case out here. I've only had two kind of like fancy tags, you'd say. I had one in Nevada that was pretty good. And then I, I actually drew a good elk tag here in Wyoming. And it was the same thing. I mean, you're just, I'm, I've never worked harder for an elk <laughs> than uh, I did on this limited entry tag. It just so happened I was trying to turn up a bigger one, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that if people, when they're drawing these tags, they just think like, oh, we're just going to go out and smoke a giant, like easy peasy. Dude, it's just, the statistics of what it takes to grow a giant of anything make the odds not in your favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like why, you know, you you really have to work on your hunting skill sets. You know, you have to go on as many hunts as you can in, in different habitats and different conditions and really test yourself and build that resolve and that hunting skill set. Because otherwise, if you just draw a good tag and you don't have that experience or those skills, I, I think it's almost like a wasted tag. Like you just won't end up killing the trophy that you've set your sights on, you know? And so um, I, I think it's really about building those skill sets. And I think those quality animals, like they're available you know, throughout the state in low point units, zero point units. In fact, like if I look back at my mule deer season, I mean, um, I, I was, you know, I, I, it was a really good season where I was able to get like a bunch of muley tags and I had some early season, some late season. So I think I had like five mule deer tags this year and four of them were drawn with zero points. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, I love that. And and again, it's just as one of those things like the reps that you get or have gotten, especially uh, for someone like you who's got a lot of years behind their belt doing it, it's like, dude, you can roll in anywhere and turn up the best buck in the unit. In my in my opinion, when when you have that that skill set from hunting these low point units and these like just tough or over the counter or whatever the tag is, right? But if you're sitting on the sidelines waiting to draw something fancy, then you roll in there, you don't know what where to start. You don't know like what to expect. Um, and you don't, I, I don't know that folks who are waiting for 20 years to get the fancy tag know how to grind. Um, I've not been on a fancy tag that wasn't a grind in some way, shape or form. So I, 
that's just what I'm seeing. And I don't know, you probably have some great experiences to, to kind of comment on that too. Yeah, man, you're spot on. It's like, um, yeah, your ability to grind on a tough hunt, uh, can't be overlooked. It's like persistence is, is like the best skill set we can have to try to set ourselves up for success, you know? And, um, yeah, it, it does. And it, it never changes. It's like, you know, even the, the better I get and the better I am at opportunities and such, it's still like, you've got to just have that ability to grind. Like you're gonna reach tough times in every hunt, it seems like, you know, and, and you got to stay sharp on that too. It's like, you can't ever rest on your laurels. You have to go into every season knowing that every hunt is going to uh, grind you up and spit you out. But in the same breath, like that's why we do it. Like uh, we, we do it because it's hard. And so like doing hard things is like, if it was easy, I don't think it'd grab a hold of me like it did. But when it is so difficult and it's so difficult on each and every hunt and requires me to work year round on all these different skill sets just to have a chance at success, that's why I love it. It's like the challenge of it, you know. But yeah, there's always like this this awakening or you know, they, uh, there's that saying like, uh, uh, not in a fight until you get punched in the face. And it's kind of like that on those hunts. Like you almost have to get there and get punched in the face and, you know, you make these game plans and you, you look over, you know, whether it's on X and Google earth and you come up with this plan. That's just so rock solid that it's like, Oh, I'm going to show up here and I'm going to glass this and I'm going to grab this vantage point. And then you get there and there's absolutely zero deer there. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I got to go to my backup plan then or keep hiking or whatever the case. But I, I think that is what draws us to it is it is so difficult and it just doesn't seem to change or get any easier. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't mean to pick on you, but um, I look up to you and the, your approach to mule deer hunting, and it's really something that's inspired me the last handful of years. But I was curious, and I don't mean to rip a scap, did you shoot a buck in the early season this year? No, I did not. So that is the thing that I think I love the most, is like the guy who a lot of us look up to, like you, like every single year you got you to gotta show up and like... Like you've got more miles behind uh, on your foot and more miles behind the glass than a very I don't there's a very very small percentage that might even come close to competing, and it still is hard. And I think that that's the part that that's the beauty of it is like that's what makes it alluring. And in some years it obviously like all comes together quickly and you're like oh <laughs> you know like that's easy, but as soon as you start thinking that is when you get schooled. Um, so I yeah I think that's one of the beauties of of this pursuit just in general. Yeah, well you're too kind, man. Yeah, it um yeah it was it's just like a tough early season and I had really good tags too. One of the tags was like took me four points to get and I had done a bunch of research. The other one was a zero point unit, but I got really lucky drawing it. And so I had like two really good hunts. Now you know part of this self improvement or part of this like becoming a better bow hunter is to be able to look back and analyze and and not make excuses for what went wrong but try to like dissect like those hunts and figure out like what 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 went wrong or why was i not able to arrow a buck on those hunts um so yeah i've done a lot of reflecting and you know it's 
you know, one of those hunts is like part of my regrets of the season of just not spending the time. Like I actually got to chase, you know, one of those giants that I live for chasing that I'm, I'm trying to turn up. And it's been a few years since I've chased a buck even that big. And I was able to find and locate him and I made my best plays at him. But, you know, my regret would be that I didn't drop absolutely everything I had going and spend multiple days there to try to turn up that buck and get an arrow in him because they're so rare to find that you finally find one. And, yeah, you make a play on them and look for them the next day and don't find them. And then, you know, pretty soon I just ran out of time. But that is part of my regrets from this season. And so, you know, it. I just knew that. You know, I, I failed on these couple hunts or maybe didn't come through, but I had a long season and a lot of tags. And then if I keep putting the effort forth, like I'm going to get the opportunities and then, you know, able to have a good elk season and then have a great like late mule deer season, which can always be tough. Um, so, you know, able to turn it around. But, yeah, that's part of like the self-improvement is to look at those hunts and go, gosh, what went wrong on those things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Something I've also been trying to do more of is even when we have an animal in the freezer or you've got a rack on the wall from a hunt is also looking at those and saying, like, how could that have improved? Um, like a good example is uh, the I shot a buck this year that I just didn't get a great hit on. And, um, you know, always going back through and we, we ended up getting him the second day. Um, I had a bunch of help and I had a tracker come out and we got it. But the moral of the story was it was like, dude, everything from like shot execution to gear choice to, um, you know, just like practice or, you know, preparation could have been better, in my opinion, even though I ended up with some a set of antlers on the wall. Right. And I think that anytime that you start saying like, oh, I'm getting this figured out, even if you're punching a tag that you're excited about. Um, is when you're going to start falling behind the curve, especially when the day and age of like, like everybody else in the field is also trying to be the best version that they can be. You just got to like, you got to keep grinding and keep improving. Otherwise you're going to get stagnant and left behind. Dude, Jaden, it's why I love talking to you, man. It's like why you're a, a, a great hunter and great mule deer hunter is like your perspective and approach and your mental game is so strong. And even this morning, like I I spaced our podcast and got a text from you. I had overslept. I just didn't set my alarm. I had it on my calendar, totally forgot. And so I like uh, uh, texted you 45 minutes later. And I'm like, man, I am so sorry. Like, and um. You you stated to me, oh, man, I should have texted you last night. Like, you took responsibility for something that I totally screwed up, which is, like, unreal leadership, like, to see that. And, I, of course, I told you, no, it was all on me. But just your approach, like, this morning, and then, like, I get you on the podcast, and you're talking about reviewing, like, successful hunts, and then also, like, that shot. And you just totally took responsibility for that shot. Like... You said, you know, I, I should have practiced more it was in my setup and in my gear and in my preparation. Like, I think that that's what builds great hunters is like this this mental game and this perspective on things and like always trying to work on self-improvement and trying to work to be your best version of yourself. Man, it's just like such a, a winning mindset for life and like. I truly believe that it all starts and ends with the mind on these tough hunts on any hunt. And, and I think like you've got that in spades, man. I think that's like why you're so successful. 
Well, I appreciate that. I there's a lot of goals that I, we've got to still hit. So I'm, um, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but it's one of those things where it's like, dude, anytime you hit a goal too, it's like, okay, well, time to move the goalpost back because like there's never an end to this game, and I, I think that's one of my favorite parts. But it's also one of the things that makes me so frustrated when I hear people getting down in the mouth about. You know, in for in particular, like mule deer aren't doing well across the West. Doesn't matter the state, but like across the West, people are pretty you know bummed about where mule deer are at, and people are letting that impact how hard they try to hunt. They like will go out there glass for two days and then give up in the scouting season because they think they, for example, have all died. I'm out here thinking like, dude, I'm gonna go out there and let's just say the mule deer numbers are down. I'm still gonna try to find the biggest oldest buck in a unit and and put out even more effort not less when it gets hard um and i think that you're seeing a lot of people turn tail and run from when things get hard these these days and it's really frustrating it's super frustrating to watch because then people are just like you know throwing their hands up and hoping somebody else fixes the problem and that no one's going to come fix the problem for you no one's going to come out here and try to make this hunt easier for you um and i think that that's been the number one thing i've seen this fall especially um and now again granted like are there things that we can do to be helping critters um and you know trying to improve the situation absolutely but at the same time that shouldn't be your excuse for only putting in two days of scouting and hunting for two days of the season and giving it up you know yeah man um yeah and i've been hearing it like that for years like especially you know it's in the forefront from this year in the bad winters and you're located in wyoming so like you definitely like the mule deer have taken a hit there and a lot of it is out of our hands like it's the best mm -hmm. mule deer habitat on planet earth like it does have healthy populations of mule deer and yeah it was knocked down and the fawn mortality and uh, uh, 100% fawn mortality, and I've heard numbers as high as 70, 80% on the deer. But the fact of the the matter still remains that there's still uh, a deer in that unit. They will bounce back. They've had bad winters before. I've seen multiple bad winters, but yeah, it's like in in some areas weren't hit. Like I hunted places in other states where I'm like, I don't know, you know, bad winter. We'll go see and go hunt it, but I'm um, gonna show up and give it my all. And then I get there and I find out that I'm seeing all age class of bucks. I'm seeing, you know, fawns with the does, and it's like, oh well, these deer had like a better winter range or a better place to go refuge and they didn't see the winter kill on these mule deer. So, you know, it isn't across every state in the lower 48 that mule deer are down either, you know, and, and you're right. They have biologists that have management objectives that are watching those mule deer herds and making adjustments upon a bad winter. So they legally gave me a tag to go hunt this mule deer in this zone. Like, I'm going to give it my all and go see if I can find a mature one. So you're so right. And I've been hearing these excuses since I started mule deer hunting. Like even in the early 2000s, dude, it was so good. I got I got to hunt the best units with my bow and arrow. Like nobody was hunting them with a bow. But I was hearing like, hey, you know, you should have seen mule deer hunting in the 70s and 80s, you know. Like that was the heyday for mule deer. We're downhill from now. And it was like there was big bucks everywhere and nobody hunting these units, you know. And so like I, I think um, it, it's really easy to make an excuse. And, um, you know, you can find an excuse on every hunt to not be successful. And, and you know, some of them are legitimate reasons that you come across as you're hunting for sure. 
but it's it's like you you just can't use that as an excuse why you weren't successful. It's like, well, you can look back and go, well, did I give it a hundred percent effort? Did I give it my absolute all in that, in that hunt? And okay, it didn't come together. Well, then it's time to look for a new unit or another hunt. But if I if I gave it a hundred percent on a hunt, more times than not. I'm able to turn up an opportunity and try to make something happen. And that's just been my hunting career. It's like you got to be able to grind and grinding or persistence is absolutely the key. And you got to keep your mind right. Like these things are difficult. It's easy to sit here in our our warm houses and talk about how hard we hunt. It's different to be out there for five days when you haven't turned up a muley buck and you put on a hundred miles and, and 20,000 vert to keep your mind right, you know, but that is the key. Oh man. I love that. Yeah. It is so hard. Uh, you know, when it's, I'm sitting in my next to my heater right now in December, thinking about next year's plans and you're like man i'm gonna do xyz when i get there i'm gonna scout through four days or whatever um in particular i'm thinking about this hunt my my brother has potentially that he's gonna draw and uh i'm like oh, we're gonna go out there in july and turn up bucks and, da, da, da. and like you said just like a few minutes ago it's like i mean you can plan in the off season all you want but you know everything actually comes together when you show up in the field and put time out there um, and you, there's no replacement for it. Uh, there's no replacement for the grind. No, I actually have a, I have a good story about that. Um, you know, I was mentioning, I, I guided a gov tag hunter this year, um, for, for mule deer. And, um, we, uh, I was out there scouting for him. It, he's the kind of guy who has significantly more money than he has time. He'll tell you that too. And this person, you know, he buys, a bunch of commissioner's tags to give to his friends and then buys a governor's tag for himself kind of guy. Um, and then basically he just runs a bill with this outfitter um, that I worked for of like, Hey, yeah, let me know if you find a gov tag worthy buck. And, um, and then we'll try to make it happen. You know, I'll, I'll fly in from wherever I'm at and we can go hunt him for a couple days. Well, we did that. I, I ended up scouting for this guy for just like seven days in these migration and rut hunts. And, um, I only hunted with this hunter for eight hours and we'd found him a buck, especially it was the end of his season. Um, and we found him, uh, well, two bucks, actually. One of the other scouts found a pretty dang nice typical buck. Like, I mean, certainly worthy, worthy of punching a tag on, um, big, you know, kind of one nineties type typical. Um, and he rolled in and spent one day looking for that buck and was like, dang it, can't turn up that buck. So then he goes, okay, well, Jaden's been sitting on this like non-typical mid 180s buck. Like, let's go chase him. And the next day rolls in and we can't find that deer either. So this dude spent two days hunting. He had so much money to like, he literally could throw as many guides out in the field as he wanted to try to find a deer. But when it actually came time to get to hunting, he did not have the time to put into it. I mean, there's just, just some things you can't buy. And one of those things is time of field and, um, so yeah, he, he actually knew it though. And I just wanted to, like, just to clarify, this dude was awesome. He was, he totally knew that he didn't have enough time or enough, um, you know, days of field to make it happen on the quality of buck he wanted. But it's just, it goes to show that like, look, if you're wanting to step this game up, like you just, you gotta be looking at what the brass tacks of getting a field looks like. 
Oh, man, that's great. I was going to ask about that governor's tag. I was super interested. It had to be really fun scouting for it, trying to find, like, just an absolute mega deer. And mega deer, they just don't come around every day. Like, genetically, the age class, and a lot of these deer get to the age and just won't have that rack of horns that's going to excite somebody with a governor's tag or, a like, a true giant. Boy, it is an exception to the rule to find a next-level buck, isn't it? it doesn't come easy oh it doesn't come easy at all man and we're looking over like i tried to keep count of the deer and i got over my i got over my head like in deer numbers so then i was like okay well let's just only count mature bucks that i'm seeing and we were in the you know in the measures of you know 30 mature bucks you know when i say mature bucks like good solid bodies in like a four-point frame or maybe big threes and we're looking like 20, 30 mature bucks a day and still trying to find that top, like, you know, 1% basically deer. And, uh, you know, you'd find these like really nice looking deer where anyone would be really happy with like a 170s type buck or a low 180s type buck. And you're just like, no, yeah, keep looking. Like, and at the end of the day, like when you're running with those expectations, like just the odds are not in your favor <laughs> at the end of the day. No. It uh, just goes to show you, like, um, like I love that story that you told, like, uh, more money than time, you know, and it's, um, man, I that's such a, a, a big piece to the puzzle or part of the equation is just the time. And I, I've realized that now, like, uh, with my construction company, it just pulls me away. And even though I've worked my whole life to get a bunch of time bow hunting, and I do, I go on a bunch of hunts, but I've got these promises to, to clients and homeowners. And ultimately, I'm responsible for keeping progress on their house. And it's, uh, you know, our workforce is down like here in Montana. So it ends up I lose like a lot of my good carpenters. And so it's just dad and I there for a while. Like, so I can't just be gone endless amount of time. Like I'm also the carpenter that has to get all the work done on the job site. So this year definitely like pulled me around as far as time. And so like, I'm starting to realize that like next level bucks, um, you know, they take next level effort. And like, I've worked so hard on these different skill sets year round to show up in these hunts and, and give myself a good chance at success. But what, is really going to unlock that for me is more time and more time in scouting, more time in hunting, more time in everything, just more of my focus. If I want to turn up, you know, those really next level bucks and expect to try to arrow one of those things, you know, and so that's like a, a big part of the equation for me. So I, I think as we look back at our seasons, it's not only like the hard skill sets that we work on, like the shooting or the fitness or the, I think it's also like trying to make sure that we have enough time to be able to give to these hunts and also being present while we're on these hunts. And I, you know, I've worked tirelessly over the years to make sure that I'm present and really enjoying these hunts, you know, when I'm in the woods, but you know, I'd be lying to say if I didn't have to send an email or I didn't have to solve some problem in the woods. And I, you know, that pulls me away from being totally present on these things. So as I look over my season, like the one improvement I think I could make is just making sure that I'm more time, have more time towards these hunts, more time for scouting on these things. Like, man, I used to scout 
endlessly for these hunts before I'd go on them. And now I've got to the point where I'm so busy summertime, I'm like trying to get all this work done so that I have time during hunting season. And so, you know, I'm not really scouting these hunts and giving them my all or my, my full effort, uh, you know, just due to time restraints. It's such a big piece to the puzzle, I think. Man, it sure seems like it. And I'm uh, coming from a place of privilege in the time aspect that I've got a job that allows me quite a bit of flexibility and even have gone on some hunts for work. Plus, I don't have any kiddos. I don't have like a house and that I have built for myself yet or uh, any of those kind of external responsibilities that make this so much harder. I can only, you know, just watching from the outside. I feel like I have a hard enough time getting uh, days of field that I want to, but then you add all the externalities of the average daily life. And it's just like, man, I think it's harder to find time to make time and to be good at time management than it is to shoot your bow every day or go work out at the gym every day or these things that end up just being routine because time is actual problem solving and it's actual hard work and preparation and, um, takes a lot of mental ability. Like, I love going to the gym, and it's an it's an easy box to check every day in my mind. Dude, you're spot on. Man, time's the most valuable thing, you know? It's like, man, that's the thing that we're going to run out of, you know? And you're you're right. Like, my runs, they're, they're easy. I'm working a full day of construction. It's like I just don't miss them. I just, you know, got it in last night, got it in the day before. It's just part of my routine now. Like, I've made it so normal, it's... You know, it's like drinking water. It's like it's like something I just do every single day. And um, so, yeah, that comes easy for me. But what comes hard is like trying to schedule 10 days of being away from the job site and not being able to handle things as they come in. And, and then, you know, once it gets to day seven and day eight and I have texts and emails coming through and I I think um, I think we can all improve from it, and we're all in different situations. But I, I just think these tags are getting tougher and tougher to come by. So I think like when we're all thinking about next season and we draw a tag, and that's whether we draw five tags or whether we draw one tag, is just making sure that we're scheduling our life to give it our all. We get so much from being in the mountains and challenging ourselves and trying to kill a mature buck or bull or whatever the case is. And so I think we have to really set aside that time for ourselves. And I think it's time management throughout the year. So, you know, for me, I do have a family. My kids are getting older. I've got one in college, but it's spending time with them. So, you know, planning a family vacation, it's um, being around Christmas time. It's making sure that they know how important they are to my life, like making sure I'm not missing basketball games or volleyball games or really making this effort throughout the year. And then that goes for work, too is just like scheduling my hunting season right, like not scheduling too much or chasing a buck, which, again, you know, I'm going to run out of time before I – not that I have a bunch of money, but, you know, like, I, I don't need to keep chasing zeros. I need to start chasing time as I'm getting older and spending those time in the mountains. So for this next season coming up, whatever the case is, I think we all need to look at it and make sure that we're giving our full effort on these hunts and making sure that we're setting our life up to be able to take that time and really enjoy it. And that goes for our hunting time. That goes for our scouting time, you know, and just make sure that everybody knows that 
we're going to be gone for these 10 days and go give it her all. But I think it's so important for finding success. And one of the things, you know, I definitely need to improve on come next season. There you go. It's, it's so crucial. The other thing that I think we sometimes forget is to like start a to stop list. If you're like trying to, if you're like trying to index heavily on your hunting goals, like people like you and I are like, look, we need to figure out ways to make sure we have plenty of time to kill that giant buck. Um, we probably should sacrifice someplace else. Um, I know like I, you've spent a lot of time fishing, for example, I've dabbled in it. Um, but it's one of those things that I'm only going to like, I'm not going to ever be the world's best fisherman or I'm never going to be the world's best duck hunter or ice fisherman or whatever, because those, that time during this off season, like quote unquote off season, especially from December through May, uh, or at least December to the end of April when bear season starts, um, it has to be dedicated towards the things that matter in order for there to be time to do the things that I want to do come the other parts of the year. Um, I think that's something that has been, it's been tough to learn the hard way. Like, you know, we were talking about earlier, like I'm trying to get a house uh, project put together and working on the finances pieces. And those are all things that I've put off in previous years that I'm now realizing like, look, if I don't prioritize that, over some of these other fun things, it will just never get done. Um, and so it's always this game of, of yin and yang. Like when you go hard in the paint for your work and for your uh, adult life, or when I say adult life, you know, I'm saying like the, the things that are really taxing as far as like finances and your house and your family um, versus like the, the hunting aspect of things, which, you know, obviously you're just being pulled in all these directions all the time sometimes you just got to make those sacrifices. And um, I'm not like, again, I don't want to say that I've got it figured out, but I've learned the last handful of years that not prioritizing the important things in your life in the off season means it just kind of suffers through the other parts of the year too. Yeah. You're spot on. It's like, you got to pare down those hobbies. You got to, it is time management. You got to figure out what's really important to you. And you know, it, it is, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And it's not like you can't be successful in adult life if you love to hunt. You know, you can have both, but you do, you are going to have to prioritize and make some tough decisions along the way. And I'm sure my bank account would have way more zeros in it. Like if I didn't love to hunt so much, like I would spend more time, but it's not fulfilling for me. Like, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, I, I want to do good in life and uh, have a good business and work hard and do what I say I'm going to do. And like all those things are really important to me. But when it comes September, there is nothing I'd rather be doing and i will give up those zeros gladly to go be chasing bugling elk or in august hunting high country deer november during the rut like those are the things that truly matter to me and and like enrich my life and, and really help me be successful in other facets in life to where if i just work or grind like man i start melting down like doing these personal houses I've done four of them now, bought and sold them. This is like the last one I'm going to do for a while. It's like my dream house. I've been able to work up to it. But dude, doing this thing, I do it all evenings and weekends on top of my 40-hour-a-week job, on top of trying to hunting. These things take so much out of me that, 
you know, I don't like I get close to depression towards the end because I'm just working so much and it's great. I've got this purpose. I'm building a better life for me and for my family. But dude, I am not mentally stable by the time I get done with it. Like <laughs> you should listen to some of my podcasts when I'm trying to finish this house. Like I'm just working 12, 14 hours a day. I hardly have a half hour to sit back. Like and even relax or have dinner with my family. I just, I have to give up so much with my family life, with my hunting, with my work to try to get one of these personal houses done. And they're worth it in the end. But in the same breath, if I was just to work or to grind, I would grind myself to misery. I would not be happy. I would be depressed. I would have mental issues. So it's like I need this balance of this hunting in my life. And now I'm to a place where I've worked really hard to where, you know, I can start dedicating more time towards my passion. I don't have to burn the candle at both ends trying to do everything, you know. It's like, okay, now I can start to step back from this business. You know, I've got my house built. I've done that. So, you know, now I can start to really put more time and effort into my bow hunting, which is a beautiful thing and definitely makes me happy in the end. Oh, for sure. It's one of my favorite things about hunting, just in general as a pursuit, is I could be wrong. People could take this, uh, could take hunting in unhealthy ways, I would, I would imagine. But for as far as I know, like it's one of the few pursuits, disciplines, hobbies, whatever you want to call it, where pretty much every aspect of it ends up being pretty beneficial for your health, right? So like every day we're wanting to get uh, better in our fitness realm. Every day we're trying to work on our mental um, our mental game when it comes to shooting every day we're trying. And then when we go a field, it's like, ah, we're getting that reset that we need so that we can come back home and, and be focused and be present. Um, I guess that's one of the, my favorite parts about prioritizing it is at least, um, it's just, it's such a positive thing to be prioritizing your life compared to some of the alternatives, you know, um, even if it's just, and I'm not, not meaning to pick on anybody, but like, I like concerts too. But I know a lot of folks who are just sitting here, um, shoot, it's gotten to be like almost like the tag draw system for going hunting out west to get some of these concert tickets that are a couple hundred bucks. And um, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, you know, as a as a hobby or as a thing to do, like it's it's fun. I'm and I, I enjoy it, too. But it's one of those things where I look at the cost of doing those things versus the benefit to my life and have decided, like, that's just not something I'm going to prioritize and, um, just like you're talking about, uh, you know, it, it, when you do hit season, that's when you get such a good release of, um, of all the stress and built up like anxiety and, and everything else that has occurred, uh, accrued over the year. Um, it's huge. Yeah. It's spot on, man. Yeah, it is that way. It, um, if it's important to you, you definitely have to prioritize. And, um, man, that $200 for those concert tickets, that could be gas in your tank to go on another hunt, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I I actually, you know, I get teased quite a bit because I, I am so tight with money. Like the only thing I'm not tight with is putting gas in my gas tank to go hunting. It's one of the one things that I do not feel bad about. But everything else in life, like, man, I mean – uh, yeah, my, my wife calls me the accountant as I'm constantly looking over our account and like, Hey, what's this $5 for CBS for, you know, or like, you know, just trying to, you know, it's like, uh, trying to just save to make sure that I've got enough during hunting season or it's save. Like I, I'm just tight no matter what it is, you know, and, and that does go to provide a good life for my family and be a provider as well. But I do watch things like a hawk and as far as, far as spending money on myself. 
man, it's just not much unless it's gas in my tank to go hunting is the one thing that I don't feel bad about. But yeah, we do have to prioritize in life. And um, man, it's exciting. Like we're just wrapping up hunting season now. It's pretty fun to start thinking about next season and where we want to go and how we want to do it and starting to dive into the tag research and figuring out what hunts we want to go on. Uh, I, I think it's necessary. I think if hunting season was year round, you know, I might lose my mind just trying to be out in the field so much or trying to balance everything like it's a bit chaotic. Uh, so it's nice to kind of have this reset too, where we kind of finish up hunting season, start taking care of some of these um, chores around the house I've been neglecting. And, um, you know, it's like, like just kind of a reset and also like try, to try to take ourselves to the next level. I think we need an off season. Like I know my shooting suffers during season or my running suffers during season because I'm putting so much effort into hunting every waking moment that I have that all of a sudden, you know, like stuff starts to drop off. And so I think it's good to like have this off season and reset our goals and then reset our training, reset my shooting, really working with this new bow to make sure that I've got it the absolute best tune in it I can, making sure that I build a really good relationship with it so I can come into next season swinging. And so as as much as I'm sad to see hunting season go, I, I'm actually like ready for the workload again and ready for the prep and uh, diving in. And you know, just like you stated earlier in this conversation, this is a lifestyle. If it's something you love and you really want to see success and, and better yourself, like this self-improvement, you know, it, it is really dedicating yourself to the craft of it. And that craft is not just like going hard for September during the elk rut. It's, it's year round in preparation and work to get to that point to then, you know, be able to cut these legs loose and try to go for it and arrow a bull, which, you know, to try to arrow a buck or a bull, dude, it, it is still like the toughest challenge on planet earth. Even though I've worked 25 years to become as good as I can become at it, it's still a grind. It's still extremely difficult. And those bucks, they don't know the work that I put in or they don't know, you know, it's not like I can just show up and go, hey, I'm Brian Barney. I want a 180 to just tip over, like give me a chance at like you just got to go earn it again. Like you just can't rest on your laurels or your skills or your past success. Like you got to show up at that trailhead and you you have got to have put in the work to be able to give your chance and then you've got to be you know like all these skills come into play your glassing your finding bucks your stalking skills uh your ability to be calm and cool and collective in that moment or in that clutch you know like all of those things have to come together again to find consistent success and you just don't get there by shortcutting it or by phoning it in for me it's like i constantly have to level up because it is so dang difficult absolutely so I got a question for you. Yeah. Like when you're in the middle of a grind, which obviously you had a couple of those, especially early, but throughout the season, when you're in the middle of a grind and you're just like, God, I am, let's just say if you're running at a hundred percent mental capacity or like hundred percent motivation at the day one, you're at now at 25% because it's just been hard. What is, do you have any like things you, that you like to do that gets your mind right again and like gets you back in the game? Oh, what a great question, dude. You're such a podcaster. Like, uh, um, man, yeah, so, like, in the middle of the grind, I think I do, 
I think the tougher it gets, the harder I start to grind. I think I grind harder on day five, six, seven, eight than I do on day one. Like, I think it kind of ramps up for me. And it seems like the tougher it gets, like the tougher the challenges or the tougher the conditions, like the the harder I start to go, like the harder I start to uh, like I just try to create an opportunity. So as I'm thinking back into this grind, like, you know, a lot of these things, you know, I ran out of time, but you know, like, uh, one of my early season hunts, uh, it was great action. It's a great unit. I was getting chances on bucks, but there was like this group of 30 bucks. Like, uh, as I look back, my timing was a little bit late, which was good because there was no hunting pressure. I had the mountains to myself, um, but these bucks were all grouped up. So it was like 25 or 30 bucks. I can't remember the exact number of bucks. And there was a couple in there that I wanted to shoot. And so I kept making these plays or these stocks with this cameraman. Oh man, we had close calls. Like I had my shooter buck bedded at 55 and here comes this other buck and beds 30 yards from us. And we're having to hold still for two hours in the middle of the day. And he finally like caught a little movement or saw something a little sus and it blew up. And so I'm having like these chances and it's frustrating. Like, you know, I'm day in, day out. I'm making plays on these bucks I want to kill, but I just can't quite seem to get it done. And then I find myself, we ran out of food, water, day five. I ended up adding an extra day to the hunt, like just calling in a favor, like, God, I got to get just one more day. And now we're glassing like a new part of the range and I spot a buck and it's like going to take a 3,000 foot climb to get to the top in the heat and just to make this play on this buck. And will he even be in the same timber when I get there? I don't know. But it's putting my head down and going, all right, let's go get it. Like I've got an opportunity. I've got a shooter buck. Like let's give it our all and see if we can make it happen. And I ended up like, man, it was – um not to draw it out, but it like I found him in the timber, like which comes down to my hunting skill set. I did a really good job of betting him in the timber, but I didn't know his exact position. So as I still hunt into the timber, totally silent, and I'm glass in the shadows, I pick up velvet, and it's like, oh, there he is, and he's with a couple extra bucks. And then I'm able to close in and get into bow range, and I'm hiding behind the shadow of the tree, and I'm lining out my cameraman. Okay, if he walks to the left, he's going to be in this window. I'm going to shoot him right there. If he stands, and I can get a good shot where he's at like I'm gonna shoot him there in the sticks but I'm gonna have to come around the tree to the right side and so kind of describe the situation and he stands and I can see a clear shot so I come around the tree he's in the shadows it's totally bright sunny to him and I've got to look back at my cameraman and motion him come on get up come on get film on him you know like 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 get on him I'm gonna shoot him right there and he's standing like looking away from me in the shadows perfect scenario and I draw back and just you know anchor level do all my stuff I know it's going to take a good shot to be able to execute and shoot him right there like he's at like towards my max range but definitely like a makeable shot for me and so the pin finds the deer and just pull 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 and execute and just send a perfect arrow and I watch that arrow and it's just coming in and about 10 yards before it gets to him I nick a little limb that's about the size of my pinky in the shadows that I didn't see I mean it looked like I could have drove a bus through my shooting lane but there was just some stick there in the shadows that I didn't pick out that I nicked and then hit right in front of him and just a heartbreaker man like here it is Uh, day six been grinding and putting all that effort so that's how that hunt 
ended, you know, and but to answer your question, like, I don't know what it is that switches like Dan Picard calls it hunting angry. And I don't think that I start hunting angry, but I just start to like focus in and just get more and more driven at how I'm going to create an opportunity. And that's whether I've got to move camp and glass another spot. That's whether, you know, I just start to like focus in and start to get more and more driven with the days I have left to try to make it happen. So I, I don't know mentally what switches for me, but it seems like my determination just continues to go up as the hunt goes on. Um, I think so. I don't have a good answer for you. Like, what yeah. switches in me that gets me to think that way? But I tend to like ratchet up my intensity as the hunt goes on. I think that makes sense to me. And as you're talking about all of this, uh, I remember hearing South Cox talk about something similar a couple of years ago, handful of years ago now, where he's like, "Yeah, I mean, first day or second day of season, you're kind of like." it's not that you're taking it easy, but you're hunting um, with kind of like the long-term view in mind. It's like, you're not going to go out there and just smoke yourself on day one, let alone the fact that you're like probably going to walk by a bunch of stuff if you do that. But, um, but then as the season go- or as the hunt goes on, it like picks up. Um, I, I tried to do that with a client this year. Like first day we were not going to leave the pickup. We're like, let's just go drive and glass and drive and glass. We saw a bunch of stuff and then we knew where to go from there. And it kind of seems like, you know, obviously probably with an elevated level of intensity, that's kind of your approach too. is like, look, day one or or early on in the hunt, we're going to set ourselves up for future success and then keep pushing harder and harder and harder as the season goes on. So you don't, so you're not getting smoked early on. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, um, you know, I'm definitely putting forth, effort easy but like you say i'm almost like managing it it's like i know you know like like my elk season like the first thing is you got to find a shooter bull and so i'm definitely putting forth effort and i'm hiking in the dark and i'm grabbing these vantage points but then it starts to get to a place where i know where there's a shooter bull at and so you know i had a couple back-to-back mountain days one that was 17 miles one that was 15 miles where you're leaving at four in the morning and then you're getting back at 11 at night where you're just absolutely smoked you know and you're not getting enough sleep and you're just pushing so hard for it so yeah i think it ratchets up like i'm definitely putting forth that effort you know on day one but it's it's like managed right is like i have to manage it just like you're stating like to try to like articulate more what you're talking about is like i have a pace in the mountains and i know that if i keep myself to 10 miles a day i keep myself to three to four thousand vert a day i know that i can get a good night's sleep and i'll feel 100 percent tomorrow So I'm not trying to go out and do 20 miles the first day because I know the next day I pay for it. I pay for it physically. Maybe my legs are fatigued, which it's tougher to hike on fatigued legs. But I feel it mentally. Like mentally, I'm exhausted after a big push or big go that I suffer the next day. And so I almost calculate that when I'm going. So I try to keep like in this zone, this middle ground of like, okay, 10 miles a day, 3,000 vert, like this is just constant effort that I can continue for 10 days straight and I'm not going to wane or I'm not going to fall off. But then I might see a buck that is way off that's a shooter buck where it's like, okay, 
I know I'm going to smoke myself today. I know it's going to be close to 20 miles. I'm not going to get back to camp till midnight, but this is worth it. That's a 180-inch deer that he's in that basin. He's going to give me a good chance. Like I weigh my option. I go, I know mentally I'm going to be drained tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow, you know, I'll glass easier. I'll glass this spot down from camp, and I'll try to recover from this big effort I'm going to put in. But today... It's worth it to go all in and try to see what I'm worth. But it is like I think you have to find your pace in the mountains. And if you go too hard, too fast, you can definitely burn yourself out. And then mentally you're exhausted where it's easier to throw in the towel or you're just like the next few days, like you're not going to put in full effort. So you're not going to find a buck. So you're going to be down mentally. So then it's going to be easier to throw in the towel day four, day five. So like you're on to something, Jaden, like what you're talking about that pace. And I think that's smart with your client where you're kind of taking it easy as at first and start ramping up the intensity or the effort as those days go on. And it's always easier to ramp up the intensity or the effort when you find a buck you want to kill or you find a bull you want to kill. For some reason, I can just walk till the end of earth if I, if I know that there's a shooter animal in there that needs effort, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a good job of like kind of wrapping up what I was trying to get out. I think that 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 makes a lot more sense. It's because, like you said, it's certainly not like you're not going to go out soft off the first off the bat. But at the same time, yeah, managing the the energy output is important. It seems like a lot of people, especially when we're talking um, archery elk hunting in September, will just go balls to the wall that first day or first two days when they have all this energy and they're chasing. They're just like, I got to find every elk, you know, or whatever the case is. I got to get a bugle back. And it's important to put out that effort, right? But at the same time, you got to balance the longevity of a heck, even a five-day hunt. You know, for a lot of folks who aren't mountain prepared, like you know, that whole hunt can be really taxing, even if it's only a handful of days. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. It can. Uh, the the mountains they just don't care, do they? The, the mountains are so <laughs> unforgiving. Even us guys that train all the time. It's still difficult when we get there on our bodies. Like we train year round to have our bodies in this incredible shape to be able to attack the mountains and we get there and it's still like difficult for us. The climbs are difficult. Like you still have to put forth the effort. And, you know, when I run, I've got zero weight on me, you know, not that I don't do pack or ruck work, but that pack weight is like man oh man like i first pick up my pack on day one and it, it like even a day pack nowadays with a scope and with a camera and the day packs 20 25 pounds it just wears on you and then if you're backpacking like man to stick 40 pounds on your back and go cover those kind of miles that we're talking about like it wears on a body so it's difficult even when you prepare your body. I can't imagine somebody that isn't in the top 1% or that carries a little bit of extra weight. Man, they got to feel it on a hunt for sure. Oh, absolutely. It's it's tough, man. And it's funny. We're talking about this like right before the you know kind of holiday season. And uh, I was just talking to my brother about this, about how it's like, man, this whole time frame, you're just constantly balancing whether you are – you know, kind of taking this time to gorge yourself or indulge in the things like for the season versus thinking about that long-term view. I mean, heck they say like, I've been reading this stat a bunch this year for some reason, but they say the average person gains eight pounds over the holiday season. And I'm like, bro, if I can take eight pounds out of my backpack next (laughs) September, I'm going to do it every (laughs) single time. Like I'm going to keep that in mind when it comes to this time of year. 
But I guess that goes back to that year-round mentality of like what you're doing now impacts you in the future. Yeah, well, and it's so tough to get back. And as you know, we're all aging, and um, it's a lot easier to keep yourself fit when you're younger than it is when you're older. You have to work almost twice as hard. So yeah, you have to make those tough decisions or keep up that fitness level during this tough time of year. So yeah, I notice in the winter time too is I start to stack on a few pounds, like five pounds or so, where it's like, you know, I almost get like, I wouldn't call it soft or anything, but I do stick on some extra weight the last few winters where it's like this winter, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make those adjustments to my diet, continue to put in those miles. And, and for me, it's just slight tweaks. It's not like I've got to totally throw my diet out the window, but like, I, you know, I need to cut out some more sugar out of my diet. I need to, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm not overindulging or overeating. Like, you know, the nighttime gets me. Like, I can avoid sugar all day long. It seems like after I have that dinner, it's just like, man, a, a sweet would sure be good right now. Or, like, not getting my sugar out of, like, a drink. Like, I love, like, one iced tea lemonade when I come home from work. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I need to drink more water. It's just these slight tweaks that I can make where I don't stick on those five pounds, where I don't lose ground in my fitness because I've worked so hard this hunting season and I'm in such good shape. It's like, well, let's let's just keep that rolling. And so as I wrap up my season, I'm actually not, I wasn't even wrapped up with my season when I'm back on the trails running every single day again and making sure I'm getting that in. And now, you know, I, it's just the way my brain works where I always want to improve. Like I can't just be as good as I was last season. And eventually like I'm going to age out of this, but I don't know. I think I can just constantly keep this, this intensity, but I'm always trying to improve. And so my fitness level, I don't want to just do what I did last season. Like I want to ramp it up. You know, I've got big goals for this season and big ambitions. And it's like, man, what if I could take that 10 miles per day and I could move that to 12 or 13 miles a day into 5,000 vert. If I like grab more peaks in the summertime, I do more backpacking. I do, you know, and this season was great, but it's almost like I, I'm ready to ramp it up every single year and, and push for like bigger success. It seems like. Absolutely. And my ears perked up when you were kind of talking about nutrition, because I think it's one of the things that hunters, maybe just I'm picking on us cause I know us as a, as a collective pretty well. Um, we're so bad at it. We're out here getting the world's leanest, most organic, like what about a grass fed, like great quality protein, but we're stopping at McDonald's on the way to and from the trailhead, right? Like you're like, Oh, come on. I, I'm as bad as anyone. Um, but it's funny you are mentioning that because man, that is totally like improving the nutrition side is, is something that's not very sexy, but gosh, I think all of us could really stand not, not all of us, a, a huge portion of us could really stand to focus on that more than, than what, you know, maybe is sexy on the gram or whatever might be the case. Um, I know it's something I'm trying to do a lot better of, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things that, you know, you look at the whole picture and not just like one thing, obviously you got to like shore up your weaknesses where you have them, but um, you know, really lean into the things that um, make move the needle the most. Yeah. Well, there's, there's all these facets or skills that go into hunting, but if we could just get 1% improvement on all of these throughout our off season, we might show up next season and be 5% improved on what we were. And so, yeah, like there's been, there's been times in my life, like, like you say, it's stopping at McDonald's on the way to the hunt, or I look at my hunting food sometimes and it looks like I'm 
like a 12 year old kid with all the sugar and stuff that I've got in there. And I've definitely like throughout the years, I've made these improvements to real food and cut out the sugar. And so, you know, these are like, like it's a lifestyle and I've definitely gotten way better, but you know, and now as I'm going to the, the hunt, like I've got these, these tricks that I use so I don't eat fast food, so I don't feel like crap, or to not go out and just grab a greasy burger or fries when I'm done. Like, I've got these hacks stopping at grocery stores, getting real food, uh, having a cooler full of food in the back. You know, I've just got better at making these tweaks, but it's not to say that I couldn't improve more and squeeze another 1-2% out of my nutrition and my diet for 1-2% uh, better performance in the mountains, you know? And so, yeah, I think it's... It's looking at it like honestly and objectively and you do such a great job like really being honest like uh like like on the podcaster when we're talking of where you can improve and well and i just think like that is the winning mindset man that's what's going to equal consistent success and bigger deer and bigger bulls are like those slight tweaks and improvements we can make yeah thanks man i like you like we talked about at the beginning it's like whenever you think you have it figured out it's when you're gonna get punched in the mouth and um, I don't ever hope to have it figured out. Yep. So that, um, that buck you killed this year, um, uh, what was your, what do you think, um, personally hunting, what was your funnest hunt of the year? Man. Um, so that, that tag I drew early on, uh, the tag I drew for elk was super, super fun. Um, I'm going to give away a little bit by just even describing it, which is fine, but regardless, it wasn't very far from my house. Um, I knew the elk herd really well. Um, and I had scouted out, I don't know, 70, 80 bulls and before season even started. So I knew, and I knew where cow herds were and stuff. So literally every day after work, I would, you know, get up and kind of work a little earlier or whatever, or just take some vacation time, whatever the case was and go out to the mountain at like 3 PM in the afternoon. Right. So I've just got like, I, I wasn't messing around. I wasn't trying to find elk during this hunt and I just would roll out and I'd hit a glassing knob and be like, are the elk here today? Nope. And then I roll up to the next glassing knob. Are the elk here today? Yep. Okay. This is where I'm making my play for the evening. And then, you know, try to get in on the, the herd bowl that's in there and just try to mix it up with them. And, um, I'm not, uh, an elk hunter by, um, like it's not the number one thing that I focus on most years, but having a good tag in my pocket, I focus on it quite a bit this year. And it was one of those things where just those repetitions of going out and getting in close and it was open country. So I spent a lot of time stalking elk, just like I would mule deer, which was great. And, uh, getting in close to those herds and just kind of waiting for the bull to make a mistake instead of trying to force it with calls or something like that. Um, God, it was super fun. I mean, like literally I probably was out in the field. I, I looked at the other day, it was like 14 or 15 days during September and, I, I was in elk every single one of those days, let alone I was probably in bugling elk, I think, every single day. And uh, those kinds of hunts, like I didn't ever find in my scouting and in my hunting, I found one bull that was like really, really, really nice, but wasn't some world class animal. But there was a bunch of really good animals to chase. And that was just super fun. The nice thing was I, I went into the scouting or I scouted hard enough that I had a pretty good expectation of what was in the unit before I rolled in. So it wasn't like I went out there and was like, oh, darn it. There's all these 300 inch bulls. I wish there was 340s everywhere. I was like, oh, I know, I know there's a bunch of 300 inch bulls here and there's not a lot of the top end. 
So let's just go have fun with it. Um, so that was like, it was, it was definitely my favorite elk hunt. I've, and my funnest elk hunt I've ever uh, been on for myself. So um, going to be hard to beat that one. That's for sure. Dude, that's incredible. That is so fun hearing you talk about it. There's, um, yeah, like me and you, we love mule deer with uh, every fiber yep. of our being. But there's something about September elk that is the most thrilling, exciting hunting you can do. And really the funnest part of bow hunting for me is the action, the chasing these animals, the matching wits, the trying to get it right. And elk are no easy feat. Like you had 15 days of trying to kill a bull and then through there, and you were into bulls every day. Like, you know, and, and getting into bow range is only half the battle. But boy, you got to play the, the cat and mouse, the chase, the hunt, that thrilling excitement, uh, and bugling bulls every day. And, and I'm sure you hit some rut fests that were just crazy where you heard hundreds of bugles in that night. Man, there is nothing like that. I just, I love, once it comes September, maybe early September, I'll chase mule deer a little bit, but once it comes to the heart of September, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than chasing elk with my bow in my hands. Man, it's so thrilling and fun, isn't it? Oh, it's such a blast. And gosh, there's a, there's some real like technique and there's some real tactic that comes with some of those open country elk for sure of like trying to manage not getting seen by all of the other herd members of the herd while you're trying to find the one herd bull right um the day i killed my bull there was gosh there was eight nine ten satellite bulls and wow. then you know 40 50 cows that are just like it like you said in the rut fest i shut the door to my truck and like walked 10 yards and bull bugles and then like spooks because like i parked my truck there and I was still a half mile from where I was trying to get to, like where the elk were. And it was just like that the whole way to that spot. It was super, super fun. And yeah, there's just not, man, there's not a lot that, um, that, you know, beats those bulls and when they're, when they're just ripping. Um, but I will say, you know, it was kind of interesting. Everyone else who was like on these general tags in Wyoming, um, they seemed to struggle, especially until like the last week of season, digging up any bugles and, um, I felt really fortunate to be out there on this like better tag and every day was action is action packed. Um, and you just got to watch animals do what their animals are trying to do. Um, not really have to manage the hunting pressure too much. It was, it was a blast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm taking up a bunch of your time, Jaden, but I just, um, how did you, uh, like, how did you like that spot and stock for elk? Like you would a mule deer. It is a deadly tactic. It does take a lot of work to get proficient and good at, like not spooking those elk, knowing when to slow down. It's really difficult because you have a bunch of eyes, but isn't that highly effective? Oh man. Especially like as a solo hunter. Oh, it's like, I, I don't know that. So I'm not always invested too awful much in trying to find the biggest elk on the mountain. Like I am for mule deer. So I think I'm going to start choosing where I elk hunt, not necessarily, you know, because I want to um, solo hunt all the time. But if I'm solo hunting, I'm going to choose where I elk hunt based on that ability to see them, because it just makes as a, you know, one man band, it makes that approach and that like getting in close and getting an opportunity. Um, I don't want to say it's going to happen every time, like especially if you're. Uh, especially if you're aiming for that, that herd bull, but it sure makes it dang easy or predictable at least to know the formula to get in there and mix it up and get in close. Um, whereas I think, you know, sometimes with the calling into things and the really thick country, um, you're kind of 
at the mercy of what the elk want to give you some days. And that's tough. Cause then you're like, ah, you know, nothing's talking. I, you know, bumped into elk in these, you know, these areas and like, they just don't want to play when you have this open country mindset or you have some open country options, you can always have a play. It doesn't matter what the elk are doing that day. And, and that makes it super fun. I'm, I'm addicted. That's for sure, man. It, uh, well, and, and also like I've been able to commit to these tactics, you know, of this spot and stock. And I definitely like you, I prefer the open country. If I can see him, I can kill him. But I've been able to take these tactics to even like, you know, to the, to the semi timbered mountains and even to like, uh, you know, I, I've killed a bull was a couple years ago that was like in the thick timber every day, like wouldn't show himself during daylight hours in the parks. He was just going in the timber and I was able to adjust my tactics to be able to spot and stalk him even in the thick timber where he would go. And I know, you know, sometimes it's just not an option when it, all your hunting is thick timber and uh, it's real noisy and it can be tough, but I've been able to adapt my tactics to a lot of different habitats, even including like heavily timbered downfall uh, stuff like just I, I noticed that I adjust my tactics where I still hunt them when they're on their feet or in transition and I don't want to hunt them when they're absolutely bedded trying to still hunt through but I've been able to adjust my tactics to be able to be like have success even in thicker cover spot and stalking and still have great action so like I think you can adjust those tactics even to into other places but I'm like you where I do prefer like the more open terrain if I can see them I can kill them but it's fun because elk is all action like you hunt them fairly aggressively it's like you hear a bull or see a bull you want to kill and then you like you go move in on them and then you get close to where they were and they're never in the same position because they're always moving. So now you get to where they were and you have to almost adapt to the conditions you're given. And then they walk over a rise and then you get over that rise and then you adapt to the conditions you're given. So it like really taps into like your hunting instincts and decision-making ability and your ability to keep the element of surprise and like, you know, almost take what the elk will give you like not in a sense of calling like you're talking about in the rut but taking what the conditions or the situation will give you on those elk but it's a really fun way to bow hunt that like really taps into like this excitement and this thrill and this uh uh these instincts that you've like built it's a really fun way to hunt isn't it oh absolutely and you know my friend and, and good mentor cody rich he always says like what would you do if the elk weren't going to bugle today and you just had to like make it happen and i think that that just goes back to like the mindset that we started off the podcast with of like the no excuses mindset because you know and in the same vein for elk it's like people will just be down in the mouth about like ah you know too much elk hunting pressure or there's like they're not talking or the wolves came through or whatever the like the the excuse is um i think when you like what you're talking about you adapt to whatever you're given and have to like tap into your hunting instincts more than just like um some sort of uh you know game plan that you do over and over and over again i think it's i think it's huge and i think it helps I, i'm excited to implement this and let, let me back it up i'm really excited to try this more on some of these uh general over-the-counter units because i haven't done a ton of it in these easy to draw stuff just on this one hunt so yeah, I'm I'm inspired, man, and, and hearing you talk about how you're able to do that even in like some thicker stuff or even semi um timbered country, I'm like, yeah, yep, this is I think gonna be the the tactic moving forward. It's it's a blast. 
Well, good for you. The skill sets will definitely carry over, and there's no doubt you're going to see success elk hunting here in the future. But, um, Jaden, you're the man. I enjoy these conversations um, so much. I, I just have to connect with you more and stay in touch with you more. Like, the, dude, you're the best. You're so fun to talk to. Well, thanks, man. And I, I appreciate all the stuff that you always put out. It's um, like – I think I told you earlier, like I'm a little bit of a Brian Barney disciple, but I think it's just fact of the matter is you look at where people are, are at or where they're going and say, I want to try to get there. Like, what are they doing that I can replicate? And I think you're an excellent example of someone who does that day in and day out. So thanks for being a good example, man. It's been, uh, it's been really fun to follow along these, these years. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, man, it's just, um, there's the, there's no doubt or it's no secret why you find success, man. It starts and ends with your mind, and you got it in spades. So, yeah, uh, thanks again, Jaden. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Brian. Okay. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Fun conversation with Jaden, man. I really like that guy. Uh, he just knows what it takes out there um, doing these same hunts that we're all doing, and so uh, always makes for a good conversation. So thanks to him. Make sure to follow on his IG, Jaden Bales. He also runs the Wyoming Wildlife Federation uh, site there, so check that one out as well. And, um, man, yeah, thanks to our sponsors, um, uh, Silencer Central, and also thanks to Cryptech, Black Ovis, and Camo Fire. And um, thanks to Eastman's. Uh, again, check out everything we've got going over there. The magazines, the Beyond the Grid with that goat hunt, um, that new one that just came out last Saturday. And then, um, yeah, the uh, uh, Eastman's Tag Hub 2.0. There's a, a promo code there where you'd save a little bit of money, too, if you put in the promo code Brian. Mule Deer Course is Brian MDC. And, uh, yeah, wow, another... Um, Another year finished up, it seems like. I think this will be the last one of the year, if my math is right. And then um, uh, next week will be the first one of the new year. So, um, yeah, it's been a great year for the podcast and um, really excited at, at what's coming down the pipe in the future. And then just working hard and trying to document my journey into Western hunting and share it with you guys to hopefully share insight and make you guys better Western hunters. So, uh, man, I've been working hard. I got that that new Matthews lift shooting really good, and then I've got that um, that shot. It's not Shot IQ. That's Joel Turner, which I do have a podcast coming up here in the near future. I'm really excited about, but it's um, the Shot ID, I think it's called, and um, it's a it's a compute. It's like a a little mini. Oh gosh, how do I even explain this? It's like a, a little sensor that goes in the handle of your bow and then tracks all your shots. And it tracks your shots as far as your pin movement, uh, shot execution, where your level was at, any hand torque. Uh, it's a, a really cool device and, and really cool data that you collect on this app on your phone. And so... um. Yeah, it's been fun playing around with that and um, really looking at my shots and being able to review after the shot. It shows like your whole aiming, where your pin was the whole time and when the shot broke. And um, man, it's, it, it's really cool. So I've been messing with that. I got that lift just shooting. So shooting real good indoor. Shot a 299 the other night. And it was borderline 300. I just, I had that part of the line all shot out. 
and I couldn't tell with the arrow, and I just can't call it a 300 if the arrow's out, you know, or has a chance to be out. Uh, but I did shoot a 299, I think it was a 17 or 18X, so it's shooting really good indoor, and that it shows in my groups on the outdoor as well. My groups are getting really tight on the outdoor. Uh, I've got those new arrows all built up. I got those things flying really good, a really good tune into this lift. And so, man, I couldn't be more excited to have this thing set up for this this new season, 2024. So um, just got to dial in my um, pins a little bit more and my sight tape. Uh, it's like a process for me. I like to take of my time with it and make sure that I get everything set up right. So this thing is absolutely dialed, but yeah, it's, yeah, it is an amazing bow. Uh, I'm just blown away at the performance of it. And then they kept all that forgiveness and quiet shot, um, uh, technology in it. And, um, just couldn't be more impressed with this lift, man. It's absolutely shooting. So just working on my shooting, uh, working on, uh, my workouts and runs, got a good one yesterday. It was a pain in the butt. I mean, I probably only got six miles in, but it was all fresh snow, which just puts a wear and tear on me or it, it, it just puts a added degree of, um, uh, effort or difficulty into the run. So yeah been getting in those and plan for another good one today uh you know i may get these skis out too and start a little cross country skiing as well um just for some cross training but um man i'm feeling great i just can't wait for this 2024 season so uh next thing up is like really diving into the research and hunt planning and these units i i'm trying to draw and planning to hunt so just putting more time and effort into that as well to see next level success next season. So, um, man, I couldn't be more excited. And I know you guys are excited too. Definitely. If you're listening to this podcast now in December with no hunts going on, uh, you're cut from the same cloth as, as I am where you're looking to improve and, uh, uh, looking to see results in 2024. So I really appreciate you guys. Um, really appreciate the, the positivity around the podcast and support. Uh, shares on social media always help and then also the reviews on itunes uh, just appreciate all that stuff so thanks you guys and um, man let's make 2024 the best year yet so um thanks again to Jaden for being on the podcast and um man with that i'll check in with you guys next week